Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook Podcast. The Different Skill Notebook is a tool for parents and educators to equip children and teens with the social, emotional, and independent skills needed to thrive in their life. The Different Skill Notebook is the result of the work of Dr. Sandra Savinelli and Anand Salma at the Social Mind Center. They found that parents and educators cannot always identify the skills needed to overcome some of the barriers that the child is experiencing to learning and thriving. The notebook identifies the different skills, tools, and resources needed to overcome some of the learning barriers and differences that are experienced by children and teens today. These are different times, requiring different skills and tools. Join us as we share our smart conversations with our parents, educators, and colleagues to give children the life skills and social adaptation needed to thrive in environments that keep changing. Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook. My name is Anna and Selma, and I'm your host. And today we're going to continue with our series on anxiety management. And today I have Gabby and Selma, my daughter, and she's going to share with us her journey managing anxiety. She's um, currently in college. So we're going to try to tackle this season of life, the transition to college and maybe transitioning to another state. How do you cope with anxiety, dealing with all those changes and new environments for teens and young adults that struggle with anxiety? So I'm so excited to have her today. We're going to continue this series for quite a bit. Um, I'm going to have a few people on to discuss anxiety, anxiety management. Our next uh, program will have medication because that's a whole other subject. We might talk about it lightly today, but it's definitely something we can spend an entire podcast on. So welcome, Gabby. It's so nice to have you on the Different Skill Notebook podcast. So tell me a little bit about yourself for the audience and uh, what you're going to talk about today. Um, Hello, I'm Gabby. I'm 20 years old. I currently live in New York City, and I'm a junior at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. I was a COVID student, so my college experience got delayed quite a bit, so I just recently moved into my city, and that's been quite an adjustment for me, and I've learned to manage my anxiety in this season of my life because it's looked different for me all throughout my life, as I have a brain that is wired to worry, so... So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about how... You learn that your brain is different and that it's, it's neurodiverse, so it's wired differently and it, this causes you to deal with more anxiety than somebody else would. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, anxiety has looked different for me always, so I didn't always know what my anxiety looked like for me in certain areas of my life. So first it was understanding my anxiety and understanding where it comes from. 
and learning to target that and find strategies that help me in that area. And it's not always the same for me, especially now being a college student. I think I have anxiety in so many areas I obviously didn't have in elementary or high school. So just targeting where your anxiety is stemming from and learning to manage it in a way that works for you has been my biggest challenge all throughout my life. But it's something I just had to do with having a brain that is wired to worry. So tell us a little bit about, since you said it looks different in every season, what does it look like now that you're in college? What What is the number one obstacle for you in tackling your anxiety? Like what is, and, and how do you do it? Like what, what is the main thing that anxiety causes you to experience that's a daily challenge for you? I would say right now my anxiety surrounds mostly my thinking and because of that I'm get very disorganized all around when it comes to schoolwork, just living management. Everything is kind of all over the place. So I would say that my anxiety causes me to be extremely disorganized at, at this time. At this time. So what do you do to deal with that disorganization? Like how does it disorganize you like you start to get anxious and whatever you were supposed to get done for the day doesn't work out or how do you, how does it, what does that exactly mean? Like it makes you disorganized in your getting things done, like what's due at school or just any tasks in general. Sometimes I just overwhelm myself with my tasks and what I have to do. And it's kind of just running through my brain like crazy, like a squirrel brain. And I can't always figure out what I need to do first, what I need to do last, and I can't get organized with it. So the best strategy for me has really just been to lay out all that I need to do and sort it all out, all that information, and plan for myself. I wouldn't say I always follow through with that plan, but it reduces my anxiety so much to know that I have one that I can reference and it's okay if it changes a bit, um, which it mostly does. I think that's the best thing to do as well for somebody that just has like constant thoughts of like what you have to be doing, like what you have to do and all of these tasks that are just totally running through your brain all the time to the point where it's causing so much anxiety and stress, just writing that all out, almost creating a checklist too. I think yeah. that works really well for me. So you do like a brain dump, everything that's going through yeah, basically brain, a brain, you just dump. dump it on paper and then you sort through that, you know, cause some yeah. of it may just be random thoughts and things like that. So yeah. just putting it on paper helps you to then look through it and go, Oh, okay. I don't really need to do all of that right now. You can kind of prioritize better. Yeah. Prioritization you, is a big part of that planning as well. Right. Because, so you start to say, Oh, you know, I don't really need to paint my apartment right now. Yeah. I can wait. It's something I want to do, but it's not a priority. So, but having it just the, just the ability to write it on paper and dump it all out of your head helps you relax, right? Helps you calm down and not have this, thoughts swirling around in your brain that's, yeah that's a good strategy I also get so anxious about forgetting a specific task that I need to do I, I have such a bad memory so writing that down so I have something to reference to is always really helpful for anybody okay well that's that's great or post-it notes right you can have post-it notes and yeah on your fridge and things like that so what's something else you also mentioned when we were talking earlier that you use prayer and meditation when you are super anxious and you can't seem to 
maybe write anything down or some of your other strategies aren't working, you resort to that. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so prayer and meditation has been something that I've really leaned on going into college. I think I, it wasn't something I always have done, but it's something that I've grown to learn how to do and really enjoy and help me with my anxiety. I think some days I'm just really overwhelmed and I can't focus. And even if I have everything written down and everything planned out, I'm just feeling overwhelmed. So I will just set aside whatever I'm doing and do some prayer time and meditation. And I think it's something that really just helps me take a moment to take a deep breath, to just relax for a second, because I think it's sometimes really hard to catch yourself in those moments where you're totally just freaking out and, and you need a minute to just take a deep breath. Right. And so, you know, you're, you're a Christian, but even if you're not a Christian, right, this is meditation is something you can do, you know, and prayer is something you can do. You don't need to be a Christian to pray or to um, meditate, right? And meditation, you know, takes a lot of practice. It's kind of like, um, it's a strategy that you need to work on. Initially, it's not something that's going to come quieting your mind and slowing down your body and stopping is something that takes a little bit of practice, but it's definitely something that can provide healing to your body and healing to your mind and just reduce the stress immediately. Just stopping whatever you're doing and just sitting there, you know, um, and quieting your body and, you know, helps you to just calm down because sometimes it's hard for some of us to calm down. We get really yeah. revved up. And I would, I don't think it's, it's an easy thing to do, especially if you, when you're starting out meditation and just seeing if it works for you, it's hard to just sit there and not think about all that you have to do. And you're taking a break from doing all that you have to do to just relax. And sometimes it's just hard for me to do that. I'm like, I could be doing what I need to be doing instead of relaxing right now. What right. am I doing? But what do you do to, to transition your brain? You read certain things. So you have like, you said you have a station in your room that is like a little corner and you have like a lot of books that help you transition your thought process. In your case, it's the Bible, it's scripture. But for someone who's not a believer, it can be poetry. It could be things that you read immediately that help you transition your brain or music. It could be music. It could be visuals. Like they have all these vid videos now with sounds that help you relax. Um, yeah. And music is something that really helps people transition their thought process. So it's about finding that tool that you can go to immediately and have accessible in an accessible location for yourself. It could be your phone. It could be, you know, on a desk that you can go to, to just address that, you know, over stressed thought process or just your body's not feeling good because sometimes you feel stressed physiologically, right? So, all right, well, tell us about another strategy because you have a few strategies you want to talk to us about and another um, strategy that you decided to, to address uh, was therapy. You know, it was something yes. we talked about for a long time. And at, when you were younger, you went to therapy for a long time. But as you get older, it changes, right? Your needs change. So um, it took you a, a little while to get back to find somebody that um, to go to. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I love my therapy, which is so funny to say because I was not always a therapy fan. I think my therapy as a child looked a lot different than it does now. But... 
I never really understood how just talking to somebody about everything all the time, somebody that doesn't know much about you or your life, how is that going to help me? What is that going to do? But I gave it a shot and it's been such a game changer for my anxiety and, and life management. Having another person to just talk to and share everything and kind of just guide you and with your weaknesses and help you improve in all areas has just been so helpful to me. I do therapy about once a week. And I recommend it to anybody, even if you don't have anxiety. It's something that's just really helped me understand myself better, understand where my anxiety comes from, what I can do to help my anxiety, things that I don't think I could have figured out on my own. That's great. So it's sometimes it's okay to get help, right? It's yeah. It's okay to get help. And then even if you can't imagine how the person can help you, they can because they're a professional and they know about anxiety from a medical standpoint, right? And they know how all the different ways that anxiety. So I, I think therapy, what it does is it helps educate you on yourself, your needs, and how to address those needs, right? Yeah, and there's nothing you can do that's better for yourself than getting to know yourself better. You might think you know that's everything great. about yourself, but yeah. you really don't unless you're you're sharing everything with somebody and they're like, hey, did you realize that you do this sometimes? And it's like, wow, no, I didn't realize that I do that sometimes. So it's been such a helpful tool. And I think it's scary to get into therapy sometimes. And I think some people are really hesitant, but I definitely think it's something great to put into your schedule especially if you're going through such a large change like transitioning from high school to college you just need somebody to talk to that isn't somebody you know so they'll be real with you and I think that's really important nowadays yeah. and it's also something an opportunity like it isn't um therapy isn't always about problems it's about also uh, improving yourself yeah you know I, I improving your strengths I went to therapy back four years ago, which time flew, and it was more about, you know, am I doing everything I need to do in my life to make the most of my life, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes we, we kind of can get stuck in a rut and miss out on things that we could be doing differently just because we can't generate that idea. And it could also be a therapist, could be a life coach, you know, it could be, there could be, a, there's a lot of options out there on people that are very knowledgeable and can help you. However, if you are dealing with anxiety that's paralyzing or that it's really impacting the quality of your life, I think it's important to see a professional because anxiety can get very debilitating and it can impact your way of life in a very negative way. So sometimes you need somebody that's a professional to address it. And sometimes not. Sometimes it's about, you know, getting new ideas from from someone else um, that you can't generate yourself. Yeah, I think you, it's, I would never be that person that's like, I could do this on my own. You, It's always good to get help because you're not going to see certain areas or aspects of yourself that a third per another person would see and point out to you and help you with. So I would always recommend to anybody, just don't do it on your own because you're missing out on opportunities on enjoying your, your life more and doing things in a better way that you didn't know you were capable of. That is so true. Um, ideas, ideas, sometimes we can't generate ideas because our thought process is stuck in a situation and we cannot transition. And it's nice to have someone to help you make that shift to a new thought process. And, you know, definitely thinking impacts your anxiety. And, you know, Gabby's experienced that getting in that loop of, 
you know, your thinking leads to more anxiety, your anxiety leads to more thinking, and sometimes you need somebody to help you push you out of that loop. Um, another strategy is medication, and we'll just talk about that separately because medication has all these, um, so much information about um, and medication, but that is another strategy. Sometimes people do need to get on medication because they're not able to do that, um, to, to quash the anxiety on your own. And sometimes therapy is, is you know, not enough. Your strategies aren't working and that means your body needs a little extra help. And we'll definitely talk about that, how medication came into play in your life, Gabby, right? But, but today we're going to go over two more strategies and the next one is how exercise has helped you. And that's something that's evolved throughout your life, the exercise. And it's definitely at a different place now. So tell us about what your exercise strategy looks like in New York. So I'm a big gym person. I, I wasn't always, but in the most recent years, starting in, in college, I would say I've really taken about two or three hours of my day to just set aside and go to the gym and just exhaust myself to a large extent. It's been a form of meditation for me, I would say. It's just a time for me to just forget about everything and just focus on building my strength and my focus and your physical strength too. Yeah, my physical strength. Yeah. You used to I, do tennis. You're a play, avid tennis player. We'll talk about that in another session and how that helped transition your life in high school. But you know, you're weightlifting now. So tell us about weightlifting and how is that different from other types of workouts and Yeah, weightlifting has been another game changer for me. I got into it because of my brother. He's been working out since he was early on in middle school maybe and it's just been such a game changer for him as well so I took it on and it's just something I really enjoy building my strength and seeing how much I can do and just creating a progress and a plan for myself where I can just focus on bettering my health and my strength and weaknesses when it comes to the gym has just been something for me to really focus on and set aside all that I have to do when it comes to school and life management tasks and just focus on that. And it's something I really enjoy as well. I think improving your health, you just overall feel really great, you know, eating better and working out. It's been, it's so much different for me. I think before this, I wasn't a healthy eater. I didn't exercise all the time. And I think that it didn't really help me with my anxiety or even my depression. And I don't even think that people need to do weightlifting. I think just going to the gym and doing some cardio or running is like a great way to just, you just need to exhaust yourself. You need to give your body some physical exercise. It's yeah. really, it really changes things But the weightlifting you. has also been empowering for you. Learning, you know, as, as you've graduated in weightlifting and you can lift more, having that physical strength has really empowered you. It gives you know, more confidence, definitely. It's like a girl power moment, Yeah, right? it gives me some girl power for sure. I think that my confidence has definitely changed with weightlifting because I feel strong. I feel like, wow, this is great. I'm a girl. I can lift so much weight. But um, it's different for everyone at the gym. But anyone you talk to that's an avid gym user is like, this is this is my meditation. Yeah, you this have is my find, form of therapy, you know? You have to find what works for you. But in your case, I mean, and you've evolved your working out. Like, it used to be tennis. You were an avid tennis player, and now you're a weightlifter. But tell us about your mental health walks, too. You, oh, have, you call them mental my health My mental walks. health walks, yes. And 
in New York City, it's such a big thing to have your mental health walks. Sometimes I just feel so trapped in my little apartment. So I need to just go out. And that's just been my another form of me working out is I just go out and I have my mental health walks. And it's just a time for me to listen to music or listen to a podcast. I will actually listen to podcasts and just go for a really long walk. And that's really helped me. It just really relaxes me. It's it's different almost than going to the gym because you're not exhausting yourself. You're just really enjoying nature. You're just taking a walk, listening to my music or a podcast. And nature's healing. And nature. it is so healing, yes. Sometimes we have to get out of our buildings and we have to get, I really think that nature is constraining. I mean, it's a, it's a freedom because the concrete, I meant to say, is restraining. Sometimes we're locked behind this concrete. You know, it's like, I think nature has always been intended to heal. It's a healing component. And being out in the sun and just a fresh air, it, it heals. And I think um, as humans, we've built these concrete structures that keep us trapped, you know, from that healing component. So just getting out and going for a walk, I mean, it could be anywhere, I feel has a healing component and a calming factor. So it's important for you to get out of your house and just go for a walk. Um, well, that's great, Gabby. Well, we have one more last strategy, and this is a very important component in your life. Um, tell us about Rowan and how you, before going away to college to New York, you decided on getting Rowan and what Rowan has done for you in your life. So Rowan is my service dog. She's a tiny Australian shepherd. Well, I wouldn't say she's tiny anymore. <laughs> she's a fluffy Australian Shepherd that I got before moving to New York and she has been the most helpful tool with my anxiety and life in New York City. She's trained to help me with my anxiety and that's exactly what she does. She accompanies me about on everything that I do. She goes on these walks with me. She spends all this time with me in my apartment. And I take her to public places. She travels with me. She's my best friend. <laughs> she comes with me everywhere. And she has helped my anxiety in another way. She makes me feel less alone, which I think is something that reduces a lot of anxiety for me in general because I always feel anxious. You know, being alone in a city, it's a very... A large city, especially like New York City, it's a very scary, anxious thing. You know, I'm so far away from my family. I have to create a new environment for myself. And I think that Rowan has just helped me meet new people. And yes, she has. She has. Tell them about that, which causes a little bit of anxiety for you because people are attracted to Rowan. So they come up to you and they want to talk to you it's from the yeah. first day that we were in New York. People just came right up to you and said, oh my gosh, about your dog. And that was something you've had to adjust to people just talking to you in this big city, yeah. right? Yeah, I think in Florida, you just kind of get in your car and drive around and, you know, no one bothers you. But New York City is such a, is a walking city, so I was not prepared for, you know, how many people were going to approach me on my daily walks. It was a lot of unwanted social interactions I think I have to go through on a daily basis because of Ron, you know... New York City is such a dog place where everybody has a dog and they're, they're so obsessed with dogs. They just want to know everything about your dog. Where'd you get it? What kind of breed? How old? So I've definitely learned to just, 
Um, well, you've made some friends. Well, I've made some friends, yes, but it's definitely... Helped you, Rowan's helped you make some friends and then meet other dog lovers and help you care for other people's dogs. So you do a lot of dog sitting. So it kind of branched out into a whole little business for you, um, having Rowan in your life and, you know, having her support you. She's also brought in a whole nother dynamic to your life. And so animals can be very helpful with anxiety and helping you heal and just distracting you from your thought process, I think, because they can be so silly. Mm-hmm. And um, they can help you shift your mindset, especially when you're stuck. And I think Rowan definitely does that for me. She does it, I think, for the whole family. She helps us all keep a sense of humor because she's um, very funny and she has these very expressive facial um expressions that are like, hello, I, I don't think they can attention to me right now. I need your undivided attention. So yeah. She has a way of taking our attention away from whatever we're doing to her. And this is one of her strategies on getting us to be more playful. I think animals can help you be more playful and we all need to be in nature. They can also force you to take those walks that you might not want to take, you know, especially if you live in a city or in an apartment. So definitely Rowan's been a life changer for Gabby and okay Gabby is there anything else you want to say before we close and I um I know we're going to talk about different seasons of anxiety in your life and your brother's going to do that as well and uh, but tell us any any takeaway you want towards the end um, before we, we go yeah I just want to say that living with anxiety it can be really difficult and it can create a lot of challenges for you but I think that's why it's really important to just not ignore it and to address it and to find what works for you. I know that I listed a lot of strategies today, but these strategies might not work for you, especially if you're an older adult that's living with anxiety. You know, your life is going to obviously look a lot different than mine as a college student or if you're in high school or if you're in middle school. You know, whatever area of life you're in, your anxiety is going to look a lot different. But it's important to understand it and not be afraid of it and just tackle it in your in the best way possible because it can take over your life and it can, in a negative way, it can take over and affect you in all areas of life. And I think that when that starts to happen, it's important, like we mentioned earlier, to get help and to start forming different strategies that help you overcome it. Yeah, I think that anxiety can really impact the quality of your life. Yes, and definitely. That's why you need to address it. And you know, the first thing is to get help. And sometimes that's hard to do to ask for help, but sometimes you need it. You need somebody to kind of guide you through the process. So if you have any more questions or you need any more help on addressing anxiety, uh, make sure to check out our website, www.socialmindcenter.com. You can ask for a free consult. Um, we have plenty of professionals that can help you with dealing with anxiety. And um, and we have lots of tools and resources on our website. Thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned for our continued series on you know managing anxiety in your teenage years and young adult years. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us at the Different Skill Notebook. The script is available on the Podbean site and at socialmindcenter.com. We can also be reached through our website.